0: the table 40 podcast with matt and leslie holiday is presented by sports spectrum and the sports spectrum podcast network for more shows and
1: stories on the intersection of sports and faith check out sports spectrum.com
0: what's up guys welcome back to table 40 matt and leslie here uh this morning from atlanta um we are on the travel baseball circuit, uh, but today uh, our guests are uh, are my boss, um, my boss, and then uh, you know my my sister. Kind
2: of, yeah. Since
0: Jenny and uh, Josh Holiday are uh, our guests, and Josh is the head baseball coach at Oklahoma State, he is a former draft pick of the Minnesota Twins, former draft pick of the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, former coach at Arizona State, uh, former coach at – it's a long list. Former coach at Vanderbilt, former coach at Georgia Tech, former coach at NC State, and now the head coach at Oklahoma State, entering his 10th season. Is that right? Yep, 10 years. 10 years as the head coach at Oklahoma State. Um, Anyways, Josh and Jenny are joining us, my brother, my boss, um, and we are excited to have them. You're sitting
3: next to your boss. I still, I still hold the title of your brother, though. That's for sure. Okay. All right. Yeah. My, <laughs> bo-
0: my. Bo- yeah.
1: Now no, we're really excited to have you guys on. We wanted to get better at this before we invited you uh on on table forty. So we're really fired up that you Are guys you declaring
0: at that we're better at this? Yeah, we're
1: way better than we used to be. <laughs> way better than we used to be. It's harder than it looks to have conversations. Um,
0: Well, the question asking, I found, uh, and even listening to some other podcasts, like uh, people, I think asking questions is Mm -hmm. like, that's a, that's a challenge. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. First question I have, we'll just start this thing off. Let's do it in chronological order. So Josh, you're the older brother of Matt and, um, let's talk about growing up in the holiday home and, and all the sports y'all played. I think that's really important, especially now we've done this a little while. We've, we've started to learn that the whole multi-sport child is it's it's just leaving fast and furiously kids kids what they kind of specialize now but y'all didn't do that so let's talk a little bit about what it was like growing up in your house and your dad as a coach and and you guys played everything
3: yeah i mean it was um a lot of fun to the way we grew up because we grew up here in stillwater uh, around the university looking up to all the athletes that played at oklahoma state so if it was football season, we, we liked going to the football games and we wanted to be like the football players. And then basketball season would roll around and we'd go to the basketball games and, you know, we'd want to go shoot hoops after the game. And then obviously summertime, baseball would roll around and, and we were all in on baseball. So uh, I think it was re- really healthy for us to grow up around the ballpark, around college athletes. There was a lot of guys to look up to at that time. Um, we got to see firsthand what, what went into becoming good at something and how much work you had to put into to a sport if you wanted to get good at it. And then uh, obviously we were blessed to be brothers because we could play with we could play those sports together. We could shoot hoops together. We could throw a football together. We could play catch. Um, and then the neighborhood we lived in, we had a ton of kids in our neighborhood where we could go down the street and play pickup football. There'd be six of us and we could play pickup basketball and wiffle ball and video games. So we were really lucky that we had kids our age in our neighborhood. Some of the best moments happened in the back of the Campbell's backyard down the street where we would play wiffle ball and football and shoot hoops. And um, Matt and I had dear friends in Stedman and uh, Shepard Campbell, whose dad was a football coach at Oklahoma state. So I think our upbringing in the backyard or on a baseball field, a football field, it didn't matter. We just had fun playing. And um, we had fun playing with our friends. And, and I think, that was the, the thing I remember most was growing up in Stillwater and playing for this town and our community. And then eventually high school football became a really big deal for us. Um, I got to play quarterback for three years and then Matt came right behind me and did the same. So there was a sense of community growing up here about sports and playing all of them kept us busy and in shape. There really wasn't anything else to do. Um, and probably the best part was we played together I was a senior, Matt was a ninth grader. We got to play baseball together on the varsity for for one year. So we kind of had that whole experience, um, start to finish from little kids on up. And uh, some of my most joyous memories were going to watch Matt play. When I was in college, I would go watch him play high school football and high school basketball. Um, So yeah, I would say that those sports and those moments growing up as young athletes shaped us a lot, at least I know it did me. Um Matt can say you know he can comment what those sports did for him but I, I wouldn't have had it any other way to be honest with you and and uh, I love the idea of kids getting to have fun and compete with their friends and learn lessons through sports so I think that's why we all play
1: Good. yes go, go, ahead. Ahead.
0: No,
3: go ahead no
1: what I was going to say is is it's because of Josh that you play quarterback right because you were about to yeah. quit <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, the problem was, is in sixth and seventh grade in Stillwater, uh, if you were over 120 pounds, which I was way over 120 pounds, you couldn't carry the ball. So, outside of the occasional fake punt where I got to pass it, I was like, man, football is not for me. Like, this is not fun. So, Josh, sixth and seventh grade, I was like, I'm not playing football in eighth grade. And he's like, well, try it for eighth grade. You know, you 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 need to at least play quarterback for one year. And so he encouraged me to play quarterback for one year so i played quarterback in eighth grade and, and started to kind of learn it and then ninth grade played it and then was also debating whether i was going to play in high school because coach had told josh he was moving me to tight end and so i was like i'm not playing tight end i'm not playing and then so um just like always like growing up you know if i tried to quit something or not play josh made me play so uh if uh, i have to take
3: it for that because there were many moments in time where I had to
0: convince Matt
3: and I had to tell coach Defee. um I said coach DeFee, Matt is not a football player he is however a great quarterback please don't make him play tight end because if you do he will not play and uh he finally caved in I think and told Matt if he came to spring practice he'd let him take snaps at quarterback and uh I think the most heated games though of all time were the nerf basketball goal games in the game room yeah where we this old dr j nerf basketball goal (laughs) taped together with which i've tried
0: to find on the internet i cannot find it
3: yeah they they don't classics like they used to but we played nerf basketball and i would run out to like a six to one lead and let him get back to six to five and then of course I would win it at the end, but I'd keep him around long enough that he wouldn't walk out, so we could play. Yeah. Um, but yeah, There's those a lot of
0: times I tried to quit that game.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I was an encourager before I was an, a finisher. I had to encourage him to stay with it before I could finish him off. Back when we were yeah. like thirteen years.
0: Yeah, I I quit a lot of those things. <laughs> well,
2: yeah,
0: <laughs> I had I had a quitter in me. He 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 single handedly pushed it out. I, I was uh we were the we were the younger brothers Trey Waters and I and Kyle and Josh uh they pushed us to the brink of quitting everything and then um then we got bigger than them and then all of a sudden it was a uh, basketball uh we started beating them and then that's when Kyle punched Trey in the face and that's when I thought you know what this has gone a little far it's one thing to to grab him or to punch in the stomach or punch in the arm but when he hit Trey in the face I thought this just got real so that was uh the The little brother, you can't quit thing was uh, it really actually helped me. I mean, as far as perseverance and and uh, dealing with some adversity, and then Coach Hesser reinforced it uh, with my basketball playing days in high school. So, um, you know, I, I th- we had we had them all. We had all the
3: elements growing up, all yeah. of them. I mean, the brothers, the big brother, the little brother. Then we had uh, the different kinds of coaches that would, you know, push your buttons. Coach Defee knew how to push your buttons and kind of motivate you by saying things to you you'd never heard before as a 16 year old. And then uh, Matt kept playing basketball was really good at it. And coach Hester did the same thing. So uh, I, I think to be honest, Leslie, I, I don't know that I could have appreciated baseball, which ultimately is what I wanted to play. Had I not played the other sports because um, there was something about what I learned in the other sports that made baseball that much more enjoyable and helped me a lot. So I know it's hard, not every kid in every town can can play multiple sports because of the environment, but when it's available, I think it's 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 a healthy thing if the town you're in or the nature of your upbringing allows you to do it. I think it can be pretty healthy for you.
1: Yeah, I agree for sure. And then we can't sleep on Jenny's athletic career. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's pretty impressive. Yeah, I, I mean, let's talk about career, it. But- I mean, I would say it is for sure. Like a really good gymnast growing up and great basketball player, super competitive. We've noticed that about you over the years. And so let's talk about being a high school athlete and then um, transitioning into intramurals in college. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's about, that's about the gist of my career as an athlete. Um, I grew up in a really small town. So we had like, I graduated with 55 people. So if you were slightly athletic, you're playing everything because there just aren't a whole lot of people to go around. So I would play basketball, then I would run in in between games and I would cheer for the boys basketball game. After that, I was playing fall and spring softball. I ran a little track in my time. I was not exceptional at any of it, but that's just kind of what you did in that town growing up, you either were an athlete or you were, you know, I mean, you had obviously different groups, but the majority of the kids I ran around with, that's just what they did. So, so I did that. Then I had a little, a little stint as a, um, intramural flag football player. I'd never done that before, but I uh, played with my sorority and my brother coached your sorority Leslie, he because um, his girlfriend was playing, and they had better athletes than we do. That's just all there is to it. I was the quarterback, and my brother had the whole team rush me at quarterback because he knew that no one else on our team was all that good. I wasn't that good either, but like literally just mortified me. So he he pretty much single handedly pushed me out of sports. My career was <laughs> yeah. 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 For sure. So
1: that's fun. So I think like cause we had a sim I mean, I was the same. I was I played everything but wasn't excellent at anything. But I do think it does change the way I parent. And I think that you're the same way, is that to push our kids into playing multiple sports and to push our kids into choosing athletics. And I mean the boys like it now and Grayson as well and Reed seems to at this point. But I think it's important and I love how we were raised. And I love that we were raised in smaller towns where you can experience all those things and experience different personalities of coaches. And I do think it helps mold us into um, better adults. So (laughs) anyway, I'm all for playing (laughs) sports growing up.
2: Yeah,
3: no doubt it does. And even if the coaching while we're going through it at those younger years doesn't make sense or causes us uh, conflict for the first time, it is a little bit of a precursor of what lies ahead, you know, and it, and it kind of does help young athletes. And, and uh, like you said, how we parent our kids to realize that, uh, Hey, you know, there's a lot of instances where your coaches as young kids are volunteering their time and they're, they're taking off work or they're putting their own money into getting somewhere to let you play a sport that you love. And so I think there's a, having coached now for 25 some odd years, an appreciation every time someone coaches our kids for the time they give them and the effort they make to help them. And, uh, you know, there's times where probably coaching your kids and coaching our kids is hard because our, our, the folks that coach them know that our background in sport is lifelong journey in athletics. And so there's a little bit of a, you know, intimidation factor. I mean, you know, coaching your kids in baseball or ours, uh, you know, a little intimidating because of how much time our families put into baseball. So I just appreciate coaches of all ages that have, you know, coached our kids. I, I coached Little League basketball this winter and I had to go buy a book on how to coach basketball. <laughs> because I didn't know how to do it and I didn't want to screw it up and I didn't want to be the coach with a bad inbounds play or couldn't teach man to man defense. So, you know, I just think that um, trying to teach kids how to compete and have fun and want to get up the next day and keep playing it so where if they do fall in love with it or have some talent then maybe that talent has a chance to you know develop over time and I would say uh luckily for Matt he kept playing football and obviously baseball was his love but Matt loved basketball too and he played them all because he had fun doing it and I don't really think there was anything else that he would have rather done with his time than compete and uh, I think that's kind of maybe the, the element that we want young kids to enjoy is co- competition. And even if that's not athletics competition, that's okay. It could be uh, academic competition. Kids are competitive in school or, or they find a passion off the, off sports that, that they love, they get behind. So that, that competition and desire to be really good at something is a really healthy thing to learn when you're young.
0: Where do you, where do you think the, uh, the specialization in sports and, and kind of the environment of, travel sports and what do you think that comes from parents wanting their kids to get scholarships do you think it comes from coaches saying the only way you'll ever be good at a sport is to pick it and and focus on it do you think that or maybe a combination of both i guess what do you think the specialization and this sort of uh, overarching american theme of you need to pick what sport you're going to try to go college with or pro with at such an early age
3: I think you're right on both of those things. I think it started out with the idea that, um, you know, parents wanting their kids to have every opportunity. So they were willing to to to, to follow the trend line, which was more means better, right? So if, if, if baseball in the summer is good, but baseball in the fall is available, maybe more baseball is better if you want to be a baseball player. And then I think it got super confusing because uh the number of tournaments and opportunities to play all sports. I mean, there's summertime basketball. If you're serious about basketball, there's seven on seven football. I mean, look at all the kids that are great quarterbacks and wide receivers that all summer long are full-time football that maybe back in the day would have been playing baseball in the summer, you know. Um, I think it's hard for young athletes because if you are a really talented athlete and you want to be uh extremely good and you wanna, you know, chase. Uh, a career in sport if you really get down the road in your sport it's available all year now and so you know how does a young athlete who's a top 100 athlete in his given sport know if it's okay to put down a football all summer long and go play baseball or how does the baseball player know hey it's okay to to take the whole fall off and and go play high school football or basketball because everything around you now says it's full time and then I think Um, I think as parents, we want to make sure our kids are getting all those chances we want them to have. So there's a little bit of that fear of missing out if we don't do something right. Um, And as you guys have seen, you could do something literally every weekend of the year, there's so much available to the kids now. um, And so much of that's driven by money. I mean that the tournaments, tournament providers, they make a lot of money putting on elite tournaments for travel basketball, travel baseball, and now seven on seven football. So it's confusing. Um, I think it's twofold. It's both, you know, the desire to give your kids a chance to be what they want to be, but then also it's, it's, it's a little bit distracting because there's so many chances to play. And, um, I thought about 10 years ago when travel baseball, maybe even 15 years ago, travel baseball started to really take off. And then I'm like, wow, this is really growing fast. And then the number of kids that, like you mentioned, um, that put down other sports because in their hometown, Hey, if I go to a a huge high school, right. Where I graduate with a thousand kids, if I want to make the baseball varsity as a sophomore, I got to get really good at it. So I need to be with the baseball team all fall and all winter. If I want to make the baseball team in the spring. And then, so some kid that might've had fun playing football decided he had to put football away to try to make his high school baseball team. So you see a lot of it. It's, it's all, I think all those things are going on. Um, I mean, we see it with our own kids, right? And um it's a tough it's tough because anything kids do, they want to be good at it. And so they don't want to go out for something and feel like, well, I'm not as prepared as the other kid is at my position or whatever. And then that sport doesn't seem as appealing mm-hmm. because they haven't been able to put the time in for it. But I mean, just look at these complexes that are going up and the dollars going into youth sports, it's it's staggering.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's that- I was just going to say, like, do you think I also think these these rankings and and like the comparison where they see themselves in these rankings that, that they've put a lot of stock into. And, and I'm speaking for our kids and my kids in particular, like they see these rankings and all of a sudden they think, well, if I don't play in these tournaments, my rankings not going to go up. And so I, I think some of that drives these kids and even thinking about these football you know coaches and things that say well if you, if you think you're going to be the quarterback at su- such so and so high school and you're not going to be there for you know spring practice or you're not going to be there in the summer to to, to go through the the summer workouts I, I just think that you know i think a lot of that comparison and, and the kids seeing their rankings and numbers at such a young age is first i don't think it's that healthy and secondly i think that that drives some of this specialization.
3: Oh, I, you're right. There's no doubt about it. I'd take it back to maybe, what was it, 30 years ago or you now, 25 years ago when Mark Rick came to recruit you for football to play football and baseball at Florida State. And if you remember, uh, at the time, Florida State football was kind of the place to be, right? They had Chris mm-hmm. Winkie playing quarterback, and they were recruiting you for both sports. But we asked him at the dinner table, if Matt's the starting quarterback, are you going to let him play sports? play baseball in the spring and he looked us right in the face and point blank said the starting quarterback of Florida State doesn't waste his time playing baseball in the spring at least he was honest Mm -hmm. and so I I think to your point if you want to be the starting quarterback at a 6a high school there's a lot of community pressure to be with your football team right and if you're uh, a young baseball player and you go to some tournament and you go hey I'm I'm actually not not too bad I'm pretty good then you get you get competitive with the other kids and then you want to see how you compare. So the next year you're 10 pounds stronger and you're running faster. And then all of a sudden someone tells you your, your ranking goes up. Well, it's natural to want to compete and Mm. see how you're, you know, see where you stand, see how you stack up. So I think that's very real. I don't, I don't know if it's super healthy when you're 13, 14, 15, because you're still growing, your body's changing like crazy. Your mind's changing like crazy. But I think when you get that 17, 18 year old mark, it's a very competitive sport now and kids are out there playing and they're seeing where they fit in this whole uh, grand scheme of things. And for our sport, you know, the thing that's different for us than any other sport is you can get drafted when you're 18 years old. Whereas a, a football player knows he's going to college for three years. Right. And if I'm not mistaken, don't high school basketball players have to go more. to college for a couple
0: one, now year. Too? one year.
3: So I think that, Makes kids way more mindful of the things you just mentioned uh, at sixteen and fifteen and sixteen, and then the other thing is everybody's story is out there to be seen and heard on social media. So that makes kids more aware of what other people are doing, and then I think it kind of drives them to to follow suit or or do something similar, if you will. Right.
1: All right, Judy. So we talk a lot on the podcast about baseball and comparison and and in, in social media and all that stuff, but y'all have a, a daughter and she's one of my favorite girls in the whole world, Olivia. She's beautiful and she's smart and she's an awesome athlete and all of those things. And so as a mom, like what kind of advice would you give other moms of awesome daughters and how to navigate the whole comparison thing for a girl? I mean, we talk about it a lot with the athletes, but I don't know. I think you do such a good job with Olivia. I would love for you to shake out some advice for moms of daughters that are going through the same sort of thing just a different a different avenue
2: yeah um i you know we've been really lucky with both of our kids to this point with social media they both have it we've kind of given them the freedom to have it as long as they didn't abuse it or it didn't start you know the whole like you said comparison um to other people she's I think Olivia and you know I mean she can be sarcastic and cynical and all those things I think she sees people that are so into that and what it does to them she has friends that it's that way that they're worried about you know what they're posting when they're posting what time it's going to be during the day to get the most likes and she (laughs) looks at it and laughs a little bit like I, I don't know she's um I, I don't know that I can take a whole lot of credit for how she's handled that other than the fact that I gave her the freedom to navigate it a little bit on her own and let's see where it goes. Now, if if she were to, um, you know, I mean, I think girls, especially with the way you look or, you know, what you're doing or who you're dating or whatever, I think that there, there are a lot of kids that there is that pressure I just think we're fortunate enough to where she hasn't let that affect her like a lot of people. And I don't know, I think communication's key with kids, not only with social media, but with, with anything, I think you need to feel okay about telling them, hey, that's not okay, or we're gonna take a break or, you know, whatever. Um, but we, I, I don't know, we've just been really fortunate that she's handled that very maturely um and that's kind of just how she goes about her life she's a lot a lot more like her dad than she is me and in aspects like that she's i think like-
3: you make a point, like leslie what you said about social media and kids like that is a that's that's a real thing for college athletes that matt and i get to coach or college kids you guys have gotten to know through your your work here uh with the athletes at oklahoma state social media can create some some Additional pressure that kids sometimes place on themselves—it's artificial, because it's really not there—but they feel it because they think they have to try to, you know, impress their audience or tell their story. Or they struggle a little bit when when what's really going on doesn't match up with maybe what someone else's pictures say, and that's tough because we didn't have that when we were college-age kids, you know. And and I even think about you guys' lifestyle—all those years in the majors, moving around—and raising your family and and maintaining your family values while being in the spotlight. Now, everything you do is, is so instantly photographed or chronicled or story told Um, that's hard on kids because there's a lot of days where the story you might tell the world isn't always necessarily rosy. It could be a tough day. It could be a day of hard work and no return. It could just be a normal growth day where you're going through school and, and practice and things are just tough. You know, there's nothing, super, you know, photogenic about it, but it is growth. And sometimes that's hard to portray it to the real world. So I I do sympathize with kids right now, uh, especially with the pressure to constantly try to put on a a great face about everything. Cause as we all know, there's way more tough days ahead that that's just part of your life. And, um, so I I think the coolest part that social media from a positive standpoint, uh, was at the end of our season this year, uh, Scarlett who had photoed and videoed our team very much down the stretch she was able to offer our kids a video and photographic kind of recap of their year that those guys will always have for the rest of their lives all the moments they shared good bad the losses the victories uh the pictures with their buddies the videos that they have together 25 years from now that's going to be golden to those guys that's going to be vault material that they will pull out once or twice a year and, and get sentimental about because I think back to 1999, my senior year, and I think I have like eight photographs and that's it. You know, I don't have any videos. I don't have pictures of me and my roommates together. I don't I don't have that to look back on and tell stories about. So the positive is, is a chance to chronicle awesome moments that we have and look back on them as we get older. The hard part though is day-to-day kids feel a lot of pressure to tell people how great things are. And as we know, some days are just days that oh, you wake up <laughs>
0: Yeah.
3: They're some hard, days right? yeah,
0: some days it's a facade I told Ethan the other day I said you need to post some of the swing and misses I got on this video here <laughs> like let's let's be real, you know, like let's be the first kid on Instagrams like man, today sucked. Here's a couple of uh terrible swings. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so I mean, it's uh it's one of those things, you know, like you said, the, the the comparison of of that person's life. Oh man, they really got it together when in reality it's, you know, I mean, it's, everybody's got issues. So, I,
1: yeah, I good moment. <laughs> yeah,
0: everybody sees the highlight reel of people's lives. Yeah.
1: All well, right. and
3: the thing do like I mean, college athletes now are, are trying to capitalize financially when possible now with uh using their their name or 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 their image uh or their talent and uh You know, that's a whole nother world now where young athletes and young people are going to try to figure out Am I supposed to be doing this full time? Does this just happen naturally? So, you know, I think we all know that there's nothing greater than being a part of something you love, playing a sport you love, doing it on a team that you're honored to be a part of with coaches that you respect that you know will tell you the truth and guide you, and using sports to better your life. I mean, I get to coach baseball because. Playing baseball allowed me this opportunity, and and I'm lucky that I played baseball enough to become a coach and now get to do this for you know my lifestyle. So hopefully, we can keep all good young athletes positively engaged, uh, doing what they love. And and then if you're if you're gifted, you keep doing it. And if not, you you take what you learned in sports and you go you go kick butt in the real world.
0: Let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about. You know all the places that you've coached and even jenny have experienced with all the different head coaches before you became a head coach and talking about Elliot avent and danny hall and pat murphy and 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 then obviously tim corbin at vanderbilt what are some things as you go from place to place and, and you're around these different kinds of men and and different kinds of leadership styles and uh, what are some highlights that, that you, you know, maybe from those guys that you took with you and, and then how did, how did you, you know, kind of when you come up with your own philosophy, when you have your own program, you know, when you when you think back to, to those coaches and, and these difference between being an assistant coach and now a head coach and you kind of have a different maybe point of view of, of what being a head coach is that you didn't before. Uh, talk us through kind of that progression of of coach, you know, assistant coach at, at, at every major conference and then ultimately having your own program.
3: Well, I mean, I, I think back to Elliot, I mean, he welcomed Jenny and I in with open arms. Jenny was pregnant when we moved there and we went there with, you know, just to stay in coaching because at the time we didn't have a job and uh, he welcomed us in like family. I mean, he was there to to hug us when we got there and helped us find some furniture and an apartment. And um, I think we made $12,000 that year to have insurance and food and an apartment. And he kept me in coaching. He kept Jenny and I in coaching. And at that time we had Olivia that winter. And, you know, we got to June that summer and, you know we were kind of as a family had to make a decision to try to stay in coaching or maybe go do something new. Um, And thankfully he had us there at North Carolina State and a very loving man and funny and unpredictable, uh, and colorful, but loving, and being there for that year opened the door to go to Georgia Tech, um, where Coach Hall really was, uh, you know, ran into him in a batting cage during a rain delay, and we talked for an hour, and that summer when a job on his staff opened up, I think that conversation at least had me on his mind enough to offer Jenny and I a chance to go to Georgia Tech, and then uh, three years at Georgia Tech, I think Coach Hall was a model of consistency he still is he has been coaching at georgia tech for i think 26 years now um and they consistently win they have a very reputable program with great kids at a really really good school uh he's just kind of a model of consistency you know he's um a coach that if you look at his his track record and career it's going to stack up as one of the the 10 winningest careers ever in college baseball so he's really just an example of, of steadiness um, going to Arizona state. I mean, that was a really, really different experience. Uh, that was a school I'd always had my eye on since we were kids, just because I think the colors and the hat and the fact that I was born there, I always had a draw to that school. Um, Pat Murphy was colorful and different and outside the box and thought about things in a way I'd never seen anyone think. And probably taught me a lot of really good things, but also taught me some things that made me think and said, you know what, he's willing to to see things in that, that light, but I'm not. So he challenged me to think some things were really, really, really good. Some things were different than what my belief system was based on, but you couldn't argue with the fact that the guy was very smart. Uh, He was really into what he did and, you know, look at what he did. He reinvented himself and became a major league manager and a major league bench coach that pathway for college coaches has really never been open before. So he's kind of a, a little bit of an outlier when it comes to how he thought about things. Um, and I think going to Vanderbilt for us as a family was really uh, just an unbelievable fit. And Coach Corbin and, and Maggie and the way they viewed Vanderbilt baseball, the players on the team, the staff, it was a huge family. And you felt that when you were there. And uh, he had so much respect for the players And he treated them that way, and he cared about them from start to finish. It didn't matter who they were or what it was about, school, baseball, their personal lives. They just showed us how much fun this could really be, that you could do this the right way, but also win because, you know, winning's important, but also um, create something you were really proud of that was about all the right stuff. And I think Vanderbilt probably – Jenny would probably agree – you know, was the perfect place for us to be at that time. And then uh, coming here, I mean, I think you take all those things that you learned along the way and then you be original, you know. I got into coaching 25 years ago to help somebody. That's that's it. That's the reason I wanted to be a coach. I wanted to help people. Um, now as a head coach, I'm lucky to have, you know, people in every corner that that just care about the kids, that that support them and love them and help them. And, uh, you know, that's a pretty remarkable environment to get to be around, but, uh, not one single time did those guys along the way, not, not, not care about us, take care of our family, help us grow, um, and all the lessons, whether they were good or bad were were valuable to have. And, uh, you've seen it now after two years of coaching college coachings, it's pretty fascinating Mm -hmm. and pretty challenging. And so. Uh, I'm just thankful to have you guys and the rest of our staff together to take on that challenge moving forward.
2: I think one thing too, that um, just from my perspective on the moving around and being around different types of people at different places, for our kids, there's really not many situations socially that they are in that they're not comfortable. They, um, you know, we just always... And we were lucky enough to be at places where it was okay to do this, but we just always included our kids in every aspect of the job, from recruiting dinners to obviously being at all the games to, you know, I mean, some of our dearest friends are people that we've met along the way. So I think for them growing up in this business and the way I mean, you can say moving around is tough on kids, this, that, and the other, and I think at times it it can be, but also I think mine are who they are because of the path we took to get here, you know?
3: Yeah, much probably a lot like like your crew, you know, knows how to make friends and um, go into a new environment and, and get comfortable and compete and not be afraid of things because your lifestyle open their eyes to how important that is but yeah I I would say Matt those not not one single step of the of of that journey would I have done it any different because every one of those places uh taught us something for sure and I appreciate all those guys for giving me a chance to be on their staffs and be around those players. Jenny I was going to
1: say too um i think one thing that matt and i both we've admired about y'all and your marriage and and kind of the i think every marriage sort of has a personality but i would sum y'all's up just being really steady and and just a real steady place i think and and i love how you've supported josh and his career um it's just kind of like all right we're going here let's do this and and it feels like everywhere you've gone you've just jumped in completely with the team and I've I've watched that over the last two years because in professional baseball it's a lot different than it is um, on this side of it now what Matt's experiencing under Josh's leadership and and me under your leadership as a as a coach's wife it's a whole lot different than being a baseball player's wife because our old life it was all about Matt and it was all about you know I mean I love the team and stuff they were our friends but it was different like now there's a perspective of no you want everyone to succeed and and my focus isn't on one player it's on the group and i just think you you've done that so well over the years just being an encourager to josh and an encourager to um all those kids that come through your home and so if there's a young coach's wife listen to this or what kind of what how have you done how have you done it (laughs) well like what's your perspective like what gets you going to where you're like okay guys we're all in we're going to these games we're doing this we're supporting this team we're supporting josh and and kind of what kind of things would you say
2: i think you know well okay so right out of the gate we're at north carolina state we don't know really anybody other than elliot um and the other coaches and their wives but So I have Olivia January 24th of that year. And I think our first home game was about February 20th or something like that. Well, I just took her to the game and people kind of look at you like, are you serious? Like you have a four week old at a game. It's 50 degrees outside, you know, the whole bit, but I just didn't ever think to not do that. Um, You know, in Atlanta, it was a little harder because you're Mm -hmm. 30 miles away. There's, an hour and a half of traffic. And so, um, but we just did, I mean, I, I just, um, we would take a box of toys and crayons and, you know, I mean, we just jumped in. Um, and so because of that, my kids love to be at the ballpark. Um, they, they want to be there. And I think that's, I think it's hard at times to have children and be at a three hour baseball game or a three and a half hour baseball game and try to keep them satisfied or entertained or whatever. Um, I think you start them young and you just go. And then they, they, they learn to love it as much as you do. Um, I think along the way, like Josh said, with the Corbins we learned so much from them and the way they embrace everyone around them that has anything to do with that program from the, um, the assistants, to the strength coach, to the trainer, to the players, to the players' families, to um, the janitor that cleans the field, to the ushers that usher people. They know them all. They, they're they close to them all. They all, um, it does feel like family. And that's what we wanted to create when we came here. Um, because it's, it's just so fun when everyone's involved and pulling on the same rope and on the same page. And so, um, I think along, along the way here, we've, that's what we've tried to create is what they did for us at Vanderbilt. It was very much a family friendly environment. Um, just, yeah, just awesome. So, you know, know, it's tough at times. Go ahead, Matt.
0: Oh, I was just going to say, I think that's what's exciting about this coming year is, with COVID, it felt like we, we weren't able to do some things as a as a as a program, as a team, even as a staff. About you know getting together and creating that environment, um, it was hard this year. As, as I'm sure you felt that, Josh, and that you know, we we couldn't even have a full meeting room of players until probably the last month of the season. But uh, I'm 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 going to ask: Are you looking forward to having a more normal year with the staff and the players and and trying to create? a more team environment earlier on with some of the activities that maybe we can do this year that we haven't been able to in the last 18 months.
3: I mean, to be honest with you, last year was awful. Just the the pressure to follow the rules, to do what we were told, to protect the kids, it it made you paranoid, it made you gun shy, it made you um, unsure of what was right and wrong you wanted so badly to do things you were led to do the right way on behalf of the school and protect the players. My greatest fear is exactly what happened to NC State was that somehow you take your eye off the ball and you don't follow protocol. And then you as the head coach have to look your kids in the face and see them suffer because COVID took away from you what you worked so hard to get back, which was a chance to compete. So, you know, through all the paranoia of practicing in four-man groups and not going in a room together for more than 15 minutes and not knowing if we could take a retreat or gather or get together for a meal I mean all that stuff it, it made you feel like you weren't able to just let yourself go all in with the kids because you wanted that extra time with them you wanted the fun you wanted the team building you wanted the the sharing opportunities that some of these fun activities are built to do and you know I'm proud that we had a successful season i'm proud that our kids stayed healthy because i know that was a a really big deal to all of us but it was hard because every time you had to make a decision you had the decision you wanted to make which would make the most sense and then you had the decision you had to make which was the one that protected you or provided your team the greatest chance to keep moving forward without sickness so hopefully this year that doesn't have to drive every decision we make like it did the last 18 months because I know there's not one person around that's not tired of of that uh, mental kind of cloud hanging over you but you know going back to the question you asked Jenny Leslie I would say that every great coach is only able to do what they love because their wife uh supports them just like any great player who played could only play well because their wife supported them without that you can't you can't immerse yourself in your work the way you need to you can't feel okay about the sacrifices you have to make to to travel the the mental lack of being present at times that that your family suffers when your mind is on your work that stuff's hard on your family and if not for a great wife and amazing support system you you can't be a good coach because there's lots of nights where you know you're laying down and you have no no self confidence in your mind of how you're going to turn things around and your wife's the one that has to sit there and tell you it's going to be okay so anyone listening um it's a it's a team you know your your wife is your your greatest partner and, and and in coaching the way we had to move around and change you know change our environment so many times we could have never done that without her willingness to do that and uh, ultimately kind of led us back home. But um yeah, it's I would say as as the years rolled on and as things went forward, you know, finding an environment where you could welcome other people into it that would be super fun and agreeable and good for your family. That's something that uh super important to us. And we're looking forward to the years to come.
1: We are
0: all right. So the last question I ask is so i probably know the answers to these because i've sat at your table a lot but table 40 so if you could have six or seven people at the table for a big dinner and family's already there but you have to pick six or seven people from well we've had a lot of crazy answers we've had justin abraham bieber lincoln. abraham lincoln we've had Alexander the Great. we've had a lot of different answers but you have six <laughs> or seven people at your table who are they and what are you eating and you can have different food you don't have to agree Ooh. on this
3: so i we're all already there. Mom, dad, yeah, everybody. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah.
3: All the kids, grandmas and grandpas are still yeah, with so, us.
0: Yeah. So it have to be, it has to be somebody outside of family or six. Or okay. Seven. All right. It could be friends. It could be like people you'd like to have a conversation with that have passed away. I mean, uh,
3: man. I mean, golly, I think first of all, we're probably going to be eating uh, one of two things, either dad's Italian feast laid out across the, the counter or maybe those nice big grilled steaks uh, and vegetables you and leslie are so good at um know, i like to ask people questions i always have because i'm i love to hear what other people say and that's how i learn you know mm. um oh man i probably would pick a coach or two to to pick somebody's brain right i mean um just to hear the stories of of what their view on things was i'd, I'd I'd like to ask Mike Krzyzewski some questions. He's always seemed pretty interesting to me. Um, what he's done at Duke, he, that's a coach I've always kind of looked at. Uh, I'm not sure Bill Belichick would talk, but I'd ask him a lot of questions.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, wear a cool
0: sweatshirt. Uh, yeah.
3: Yeah. Cut off <laughs> sweatshirt. What about John I'd Wooden
0: ask, or somebody like that?
3: Well, well I've read all John Wooden's books. He would be fascinating. I'd ask Nick Saban a lot of questions. I'd love to hear what he'd be willing to share. I mean. I've always, you know, I've always looked up to coaches because the way dad raised us, you know, I, I always looked up to co- coaches. I just felt like that was a, a position where, you know, if someone was a coach, you wanted to respect them because you knew that they cared about people. So I always saw it like that, but, um, that's a great question. I mean, I haven't given that one a ton of thought. I mean, so many of our, you know, I remember the first time you took me to dinner when you were playing the majors was with Todd Helton. And, uh, we ate pizza at Oregano's in Phoenix. And, uh, I asked him 9 million questions about hitting (laughs) by, and by the end of it, I think he was like, all right, man, your brother's psycho. Um, (laughs) but I don't know. I just, I don't, I like all people to be honest with you. I think people are super interesting, but I'd probably start picking on coaches first and asking them, tell me one or two things you learned over your lifetime that you would give a young coach and say, here, take this with you or pass this on, you know? Um, I like that idea. I don't know. How about you, Jenny?
2: Oh, I, that's, I mean, I've been sitting here thinking like, I don't know. You know, I'm a little bit of a conspiracy theorist at times. So I think there's some like historical secrets I would want to know. But I don't know who I'd ask. Um, like, who really killed JFK? You know, like, I want to know that. I want to know that. Who, but yeah, I don't who know.
0: Knows who knows that? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> who
2: could you invite to do and that? Answer? Probably have me after they told me so I'll maybe
0: jfk knows maybe he can come and then he could he, maybe he saw who shot him
2: yeah i mean like that's what i would i'm I'm kind of a history buff a I, little bit i so. thought
3: your five-minute encounter with uh w uh president bush when he was in stillwater he seemed like a guy to be fun to talk to he was for sure he was pretty like the way he was hanging with you guys and talking a little bit um that'd be a fun dinner i think he saw some some real life stuff in his time as president
0: well even uh, dutch you know the navy seal friend of mine he's got some amazing stories and i'm sure he's got more that i haven't heard but some of those navy seal (laughs) people and some of the the people those people have stories like i i I think those would be fascinating to if you could get a truth serum and and hear some real real stuff (laughs) i think jenny i think they might be right up your alley
2: yeah yeah i'm in
3: we were we were at the lake this past couple days and, and Josh Henson was there who coaches college football Texas a and listening to him talk about coaching football is fascinating. Listening to him, you know, just talk about I, I just think it's interesting to hear about sport, coaching, people, relationships, players, all that stuff. It's just it's neat. Alan Bratton, OSU golf coach. Yeah. I could listen to Alan Bratton talk for hours. I mean, yeah. he is the the nicest, most composed and yet sharp smart intelligent he was telling how he cried when Ricky Fowler originally committed to Ucla had tears rolling down his cheeks and that he turned him around and that's like one of those stories you're like really that yeah. really happened he's like yeah and I'm like dang I want to hear about that like you know just just hearing like what sports where it takes you your emotions the relationships and obviously you know you guys are friends with Ricky and his family but that's a cool story to hear people talk about just what what the great ones were like as kids, how they got there, what turned them, you know, what allowed them to. I'm sure, people love hearing you guys' a story about your uh, marriage at young age, journey through the minors, building a family. I mean, think about all the stuff you guys have done that people probably go, "How did you do that?" You know, like how that happen? So, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm game. As you know, I like to eat, I like to talk, so I can pretty <laughs> much handle anybody.
1: <laughs> well, it is fascinating. I mean, because as you were as you were talking, I was th- I was thinking about. How many major leaguers? I mean, because you're like, it was so funny when Matt was playing, I remember I would sit next to a young wife and they would say, oh my gosh, we know Josh Holiday. He recruited my husband. And I mean, I would hear that all the time, all the time, all the time. So you really do have a crazy eye for who's going to play in the big league someday. And and you've sat at dinner with them and, and recruited them to, at your various schools that you've been to. But one of my favorites is Nolan Arenado. You know this. And we very first met him when you recruited him at Arizona state and sitting and eating with him as a high school kid, and then fast forward our life. And now he's one of our, you know, good buddies that we've shared lots of meals with over, over our, our lifetime. But um, it's just cool. Like I think being a coach and us getting to experience this now, it's, it's just so fun to be able to sit down and have conversations. And then, you know, God gives you enough days. You can live long enough to see the men that they become and, and the families that they, they have and it's just really cool really cool really cool job i'm glad we get to i'm glad you get to hang out with your brother and, and do this this is so fun
0: <laughs> yeah
3: yeah. you guys need to come back to town for a dinner i would like to have you at the dinner
0: table <laughs> we are hopefully soon hopefully soon We're
1: uh, july 13th baby <laughs> all right we're done Ready. All, right. all
3: right thanks Thank for coming guys. on so awesome coming right. on. Thank so you. love you guys love See you, you.
0: Thank you for listening to Table 40 with Matt and Leslie Holiday, part of the Sports Spectrum Podcast Network. For more stories on sports intersecting with faith, visit SportsSpectrum.com.